Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3 of the Axe Church Podcast. This season will be a little different from the previous two seasons in that it will be an archive of sermons and Bible studies from the past several years. We see this as an opportunity to create a source for learning, a library of study that you can tune into and listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. Our hope is that you will learn and grow in your relationship with God and receive the revelation of truth. God bless, and we hope you enjoy. Praise God. All right, let's continue on on our Bible study, talking about uh, exploring God's Word, uh, talking about uh, searching for the truth, and we're going, and we are in uh, the third dispensation. We're in the dispensation of human government. So we're following the bloodline of the Messiah. The red line is is showing us the, the bloodline from the promise that God gave when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they fell, that uh, God gave a promise, and the promise was that he was going to send a Messiah. He was going to clutch uh, of sin, and the first promise that we had is found in Genesis. We, we saw that Wednesday night where that the Messiah would bruise Satan, would bruise the head of the serpent, and he would bruise his heel. We go into this third dispensation. Uh, God makes a covenant with Noah. And, uh, of course, the rainbow in the sky is, is God's promise that he will not destroy the earth with water again. He's done it twice before. But again, the next time it will be with fire. And so he tells Noah when he gets off the ark, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth in Japheth. And the whole earth was of one language and of one and uh, it didn't take humanity long to get evil again. And so uh, it's amazing how the evil always overtakes the good when you let it rampant. That's the reason why we need to kill it out of our life. Amen? <clears throat> Whatever you allow to grow in your life when it comes to sin will ultimately destroy you. You can say, well, I'll let this little small thing. It's just a small thing. The Bible says the little foxes is what spoils the vine. It's the little things that get you. How many of you ever heard the expression, one bad apple? Huh? Why can't all those good apples make that bad apple good? You can put, you can put one bad young person that refuses to to repent and refuses and has a spirit of rebellion, you can put one bad young person in a group of 25 good young people, and it's long, <laughs> it's going to start spreading. It's the reason why you need to get the sin out of your life, even the small things, little things, because it's going to grow. Let's go to our next next one. <clears throat> Human government has continued, <clears throat> Okay. We have the building of the Tower of Babel. The descendants of Ham, Sham, and Japheth come into uh, this uh, event in history. This is a major, major uh, in, in, in human history. Human government, the reason why we call it human government is because this is the time where God just kind of takes his hands off and he lets humanity just govern themselves. Just The plan of salvation is the same, making and uh, like I said Wednesday night, all of the plan of salvations in each of these dispensations except the first one includes blood. There has to be the shedding of blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. 
And so the plan of salvation is still the sacrifice by your own conscience, by their own understanding, they would make a sacrifice to atone from their sins. But evil uh, abounded, and man was of one language, and they said, let's get together and let's build a tower. Let's get us a name that we can reach up to God. Now, there's no possible way they're going to build a tower that's going to reach up to God. I mean, we've gone beyond that today with the space shuttle. I mean, that's not the point. That wasn't the point. The point was is that they were unified. The point was that they were together, which teaches us a great lesson about unity. The church has got to be unified. When the Holy Ghost first came on the day of Pentecost, what was the prerequisite for it to fall? When they were in one mind and in one accord, they were in one place, in one mind, and in one accord, then suddenly there came a sound from heaven. We need to be in one mind and in one accord, together, together, amen? I've been pastoring here for 13 years, and we have never in 13 years, praise God, never had major church trouble where everybody yan-yan at one another. We've always been in one mind and one accord, amen? I thank God for that. You know why? The reason why is because we focus on having church. We focus on the Holy Ghost. We focus on God things. This is not a social club. Amen? When the church becomes nothing more than a social club, then everybody goes to Yan Yan. We can go to the ark, those ark, those angels above, those cherubims above the ark of the covenant. They had their wings touching, but their eyes was on the mercy seat. In other words, they were connected together. They were in unity together, but their eyes was not on each other. Their eyes was on where the mercy seat was. We need to stay connected together, but we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. When we start looking at one another, fault finding. I'll save that for later. <laughs> okay. Then the story goes that the Lord come down and confounded the language, and it dispersed them throughout all the world. You have from the descendants of Ham, you have Africa and Arabia. From the dis, uh, descendants of Sham, you have Assyria. And from Japheth, you have Asia Minor and Europe. Okay? We come from Japheth. That's where all the Gentiles come from. Next slide. Which enters us into the fourth dispensation, the dispensation of promise. Now, a major event happens here. In your Bibles, when you get to this story, all these... Uh, the, the, the first four dispensations are in the book of Genesis. When you get to this point in reading your Bible, a major, major event happens, and that is the calling of a man named Abram. And when God calls Abram out from his uh, people, uh, <clears throat> matter of fact, let's read this if we can. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11. Well, let's just, let's just skip to chapter 12, verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is a major event in the Bible. Very, very important because God was wanting to set aside a people through which he could use their lineage. He needed to form a covenant or a bond with humanity that he could bring a Messiah to save humanity. And he wasn't just going to just be born into the, into a sinful world just to come. He had to be under covenant. He wanted to establish a covenant between God and man. 
Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. This is typology and symbolic of the first thing that a person has to do when they are getting into a covenant with God is they have to leave what they were born into. They have to make a conscience decision that I am going to leave what I was born into. I'm going to separate myself from what I know, from what is normal for me, for what I am used to, from my comfort zone. And so God called Abram and said, get out of that country, get out of that kindred. And our kindred today is we're born into a group of sinners. Amen? And this is the promise that he made to him. And I will make thee, this is the first promise. This is the, this is the promise right here. Okay? This brings the dispensation of promise into being. And I will make of thee, of Abram, a great nation. And I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee, shall all families of the earth be blessed. There's the promise right there. The promise is, Abram, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I'm going to bless you. Your name's going to be great, and I'm going to bless everybody on the face of the earth because of the covenant that I am in with you. Okay? That's very crucial. Very crucial to understand. So, through the covenant process, Abram's name is changed from Abram to Abraham. Throw that slide back up there, please, Chase. <clears throat> okay? No, no, no. Yeah, that one. Abram, his, he, he is, his name is changed from Abram to Abraham, which means the, the father of many. There's, through him, he has his son Isaac by promise. The story, story is, is that he was old, his wife was old, she was barren. But God came and visited her, visited him, and they had a child in their old age. And that was after Abraham tried to take things, Abraham and Sarah tried to take things into their own hands. And uh, Sarah was barren, and so she said, Abraham, take my handmaid, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a promised child by, by her. And Abraham did that, and she had Ishmael. And Ishmael is... <clears throat> has been a thorn in the side of Isaac ever since. <laughs> when you take matters into your own hands and you try to facilitate God's promise your way, it'll always end up in chaos. Amen? There's so many typologies in the Old Testament that we can, we can prove spiritual truths today. So Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain uh, to offer him as a sacrifice, God asked him to prove him, prove his love for him, take him up the mountain and sacrifice. And at the top of the mountain, the Lord reveals himself to Abraham as a provider. And so he provides a sacrifice. And when, when they're climbing the mountain, Abraham and Isaac, they're climbing the mountain, and he's got the wood, he's got the fire, says, Dad, We've got the wood and we've got the fire, but is the sacrifice. And Abraham prophetically speaks these words. God will provide himself a sacrifice. That is prophetic utterance from the mouth of Abraham 
that God himself will sacrifice. God will provide himself a sacrifice. And so Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. God took upon himself the form of a man and became the sacrifice. God himself was the sacrifice. And of course, when, when uh, he untied Isaac, he offered that ram on the, on the altar before God, and it was on that same place, that same mountain, where all the sacrifices before uh, were had transpired. Abraham and Lot, Lot was his nephew. Lot tried to uh, choose the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, they were evil towns, sinful towns, and Lot went close to Sodom. The Bible says the next time when you pick up the story, he is now not just close to Sodom, he is in Sodom. When you begin to look towards sin and sinful things, the next thing you know is you're going to be wrapped up in it. And when God came down to rescue him and sent angels down to drag him out before the fire fell and destruction came on Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot was willing to leave. But his children and his wife was not. So some things you may get the victory over. I'm trying real hard not to preach some of these things. I'm trying to just tell the story, but it's hard not to. Some things you may have victory over in your life. But if you allow it in your life to grow, and you allow it in your family, and you allow it into your home, then God may be able to deliver you out of it. But it may be so wrapped up in your kid's heart that you can't get them out of it. Oh, I feel like I need to preach here a little bit. Let me tell you something. I am the priest of my home. How many of you believe that? That's Bible. I'm the head of the house. Now, I know this is not real popular in our society today, but I'm just, I'm just going to preach truth. I'm going to tell truth, and that's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> Is that all right? I am the head of my house. And right under me is my wife. And right under her is our kids. I am responsible for what goes on in my house. I have to give a priestly account of what goes on in my house. I'm going to stand before God and give an account for what I allowed in my house. What my kids did or did not do, I had to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account. I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before God for Anthony. Then I'm going to stand before God as the priest of my home. And then I'm going to stand before God as the pastor of this church. And I have to give an account for all of you. But as a man, I have to give an account for these. So when it comes time to go to church, do you think my kids ask me, are we going to church today? Mm -mm, not a question. They don't have a choice. And I've heard this argument all my ministry. Well, I don't want to force them because if I force them, they'll rebel. Well, where do you think they are now if they're not going? They're in rebellion. Well, I don't want to offend them. 
Well, if they're already going to hell, what are you going to do? Offend them and run them off to hell number two? I've seen kids come to this church and sit on these pews, puffed up and mad because mom and daddy made them. And I've watched them. And I'm going to use one as an example. I don't mean to embarrass him. But this one right here, when he first came to this church, he was 15 years old. And mom and daddy made him come, and he didn't want to come. He sat right there on that fourth row, and he was so ticked off and puffed up and mad, wouldn't you? Uh-huh. And I kept preaching. I kept preaching. Every Sunday, he'd come, and he'd sit there. <sighs> Until I watched the power and the presence of God begin to touch him. And I, I saw his demeanor change. I saw his attitude change. And all of a sudden, I saw the Sunday when he got up, and he came to an altar and was filled, refilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he sits here today with his family. You, God's not going to touch them at the house. If they're, well, I can't make them. I can't. Bull. You pay their bills. You feed them. You put clothes on their back. They get in their hind end in the car, and we're going to church. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. If you don't like it, Fine, when you get 18 and you get big enough to get out of the house, then you can do whatever you want to. But until then, this is what we fitting to do. I didn't mean to preach that. That just, I'm going to tell you something. Their soul is more, I feel like preaching. Their soul is too valuable for them to sit at the house alone. Mm -mm, no, their soul is too valuable. We're talking about eternal things is what we're talking about. What goes on in this building right here is the most important event of your week. Sometimes too quickly. We need to slow down and take our time in God's presence. Amen? This is not a social event, folks. This is a connection between God and my soul. And let me while I'm on this subject, <laughs> woo, I feel some preach all over me. All you, all you, you young couples that's got babies, all right? Let me tell y'all something. Don't you dare. Now, I've seen this through my ministry. I, I, I understand, uh, you know, we don't have a nursery, and I'm kind of 50-50 on that. I, 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 you know, I know sometimes when the babies get loud and they get, up, you know, upset and you can't calm them down, I, I understand you, you need to take them out because they'll, they'll start uh, bothering other folks. I understand that. But I, I, I just, it just goes against my grain to take kids out all the time <clears throat> or to allow a baby that looks so cute to be passed around and let people use that baby as an excuse not to go to the altar. I have seen, <laughs> how'd I get off on this, man? I'm, I'm telling the truth. I've seen the Holy Ghost get to moving and, and a lady in the church get to get conviction on her and she needs to go to the altar and pray. And the first thing she does, as soon as the altar service and altar call is given, she goes over and grabs a baby to, for an excuse not to go to the altar. Huh? Anybody else seen that? Let me tell you something. If you got an infant, you got a baby, you know what you need to do when altar call is given? You need to take that baby as close to the altar as you can. I want my kids to be raised on these pews and these altars right here. When the power of God's moving, I want them to be as close to this altar as possible. This is where it is happening. I want my kids to hear me pray. I want them to see tears stream down my cheeks. I want them to know what it feels like to get, I want it to be inbred in them automatically that when the message is over with, I'm going to the altar. Well, I don't, I don't need salvation. I'm already saved. I don't need to go. Well, 
everybody here needs to go to the altar every time a message is preached. If you ain't got nothing to pray for, then pray for me, honey. I need all the prayers you can muster. You know why? I want to back up just a minute. You want to know why that God called Abraham? The Bible's very clear as to why God called Abraham. Matter of fact, let me, let me read it to you. Let's read it to you. It's found in Genesis chapter 18 and verse... Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 19. God says this. Well, I'll tell you what, let's read the previous verse if you can. Back up, buddy. Uh, go to verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19, for I know him that he will, he will what? I know Abraham, he'll suggest it to his children. I, I know I know what, he'll lean on them, that they ought to do what's right. No, the reason why God chose Abraham is because he said, I know Abraham, he's going to command his children, this is what you going to do. I remember one time, I was usually always submitted to my dad. I, I, dad and I, when I hit when I hit adolescence, I didn't get out of whack like my brother did. Too bad, not as bad as Rodney, but I, I did get that. You know, you reach that adolescent age, they don't know what they're talking about. And uh, I remember one time I was on a roof and I was cutting in. Dad was was putting them up, and I had told him uh, the measurements and told him what I wanted him to cut. And he was on the ground, and I was in the air. I was walking the plate line, and I told him, and he, he said, no, that ain't what we want to do. I, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to do it this way. I said, Daddy, let's eye on it. I know what I'm, no, I don't want to do it. I want to do it my way. So he cut it his way and handed the board up to me. And I was right. So I handed the board back down to him. He said, all right, you was right. Okay. I'll, I'll. And so while he's down there getting a new board, I start my, well, if you listen to me, <laughs> I tried to tell you, oh, but I don't know nothing. And all of a sudden, whack, and off that roof, he knocked me off the building with a two before. And I'm laying on the ground, and he says, I'm still your daddy. I don't care if you are full grown, I'm your daddy, and you ain't going to talk to me like that. I can't get off this for just a moment. I need to stay on this. I don't understand. The, I do not understand the generation that we're in where the, the, the parents obey the children. Where is that scripture in the Bible? Can somebody show that to me? I'd like to know it. But I got, you know, we got kids and grandkids that boss us around and tell us what, well, they ain't telling me what to do. And this timeout business just don't work. I'm sorry. You may believe in that, in that, Stuff, that's fine. It just don't work. I know what does work, though. I know what does. Get one of these that's real wide and real flexible. <clears throat> Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Guys, the souls of our kids, they're too valuable. They don't have any business being at the house right now watching something on TV or MTV. You don't know what they're looking at. They're probably watching some naked woman right now on television or watching some kind of perversion on computer or something going on, something they don't have no business and, and evil and iniquity is being put in their spirit for the rest of their life while you're here trying to get something from God. Abraham 
commanded his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of. I want to be obedient to the word of God. Amen. Throw that slide back up here. Let me see if I can. I mean, we ain't even done but two slides today. Goodness gracious. I got that meddling devil all over me. So Abraham and Lot is separate. And of course, um, Lot is delivered out of Sodom and Gomorrah. His wife turns around and looks back. And that's spiritual metaphor for not looking back. When God delivers you out of something, you need to stay out of it. When you turn around and look back, you don't need to look back. When God convicts you of something in your life and you, you say, I'm going to lay it down, don't, don't put it up and say, well, I'll just set it aside for a while and see if this is what I really want to do. No, no, get rid of it. Don't look back. Because if you look back, mm, amen, flip the next slide. Let's see what the next one says here, and this is where we'll, all right. We'll start right here Wednesday night. We're still in the dispensation of promise. And it's going to continue on. We'll go to the dispensation of the law, and then we'll work our way through the Scriptures.